And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And in the collect to St. Augustine we pray, Graciously grant the effect of thine accustomed mercy to those in whom thou dost encourage a strong trust in the kindness which is their hope. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. The introit of today's Mass opens with a cry, the cry of one who seems to be helpless. O God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let my enemies who seek to kill my soul be confounded and turn back with shame. St. Augustine, a great saint of ours, was not always a saint, you know. He was a great and a terrible sinner. They say that he was born into a family, his father being a pagan, his mother, of course, St. Monica, was a Catholic. But Augustine was raised as a pagan. His mother, all those years of childhood, tried to convert him to the true faith, but failed. But from time to time, St. Augustine would receive some special grace that would make him think of eternity and perhaps conversion. On one occasion, at least, he suffered so terribly from cramps that he really thought that he was going to die. So he desired to have baptism right away, but then the cramps left, and so did his desire to be baptized. Soon enough, he fell in with the Manichaeans, believed all of their heretical doctrines. He went down the, to the wrong path. He had a misspent youth, sins of all kinds, and they led to sins against the Sixth and Ninth Commandment, to which sins he became so addicted that he thought he could never give them up. Well, they were also, these sins, they were also the cause of him not being able to accept the Catholic faith. He, at one point in his life, realized that the Manichaean heresy was utterly false. But because of his blindness, because of sins of the flesh, he could not accept the Catholic faith, which would mean for him the giving up of his sins. Well, eventually, <clears throat> St. Monica's prayers did pay off, and he was brought to the Catholic Church where he heard St. Ambrose preaching, and that disturbed his conscience quite a bit. And then, also around that same time, he would hear certain comments from his friends that would stir up his conscience a little more. And eventually he got to the point that he was hearing all of these things telling him to join the Catholic Church, to give up the sin, but he just couldn't. He fell into a sort of depression, a very deep one, and he went outside 
And he sat down. Oh Lord, how long, he cried. Tomorrow, tomorrow? Why do I not at once put an end to all this miserable existence? And he fell asleep. As he fell asleep, he received a vision. Someone tapping him on the shoulder, and he awakened. Tole, lege, the voice cried out, take up and read. He listened immediately. He pulled out the first book that he saw. It was that of St. Paul. And he encouraged, St. Paul was encouraging him to give up sin. And that was the grace that brought about his conversion. Now, his life really is, you might say, a real-life portrayal of today's parable. Let me explain the parable to you. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a desolate one. There was no water anywhere. It was the place of robbers and thieves, which St. Jerome referred to as the locus sanguinum, which means the place of blood. People who would walk that road would hire guards to protect them. For on one end, you had a town that was a rich town. Many travelers and pilgrims would go to that town, and then they would come back the other way. Well, on this other town on the opposite side, you had nomadic tribes who would, as one author put it, who would burst like a sudden storm on pilgrims and travelers and then vanish into the safe hiding places of their inaccessible wilds where it is impossible to track them. You might say that it was seen from the Wild West only in the East. Well, that's what, exactly what happened to the Jewish man in today's Gospel. He was walking that road, and they set out upon him, those tribes did, and they took everything from him. Then it chanced, it says, that a priest and a Levite, on their way home from offering the sacrifice at the temple, passed by. Now, it, it mentions in the Gospel, the English doesn't quite portray it accurately, they passed him by, but they, they hugged the opposite side of the road. So, but they did see this man, this poor man stripped of his clothes, lying half dead in a pool of his own blood. But neither the priest nor the Levite had any concern. They went on their way. And then a Samaritan comes. Remember, a Samaritan is greatly despised by the Jews as a sort of half-breed who intermarried with the pagans during the Babylonian captivity. And these were men who were regarded by the Jews as heretics and schismatics who had their own temple and their own religion, and they were to be driven out at any cost. These Samaritans and Jews were terrible enemies. But neither this Jewish priest 
nor his Levite were moved with compassion. But the Samaritan, he was. He comes and he pours in oil and wine into his wounds. He takes two pence. That's equal to two days' work of his own wages and brings the man to an inn to care for him. This parable I always found to be very beautiful. It has a spiritual significance. The sinner, represented by the Jewish man, wanders down the wrong path, away from God, to the world and its spirit. And there, the devil and his accomplices, symbolized by the robber, they lie in wait on the road. And then they strip him of the garment of sanctifying grace, and they beat him, as it says in the gospel, by darkening the understanding, weakening the will to do good, and strengthening the inclination to evil. And then when they're all done with that, they leave him half dead. That is the symbol of spiritual death to the supernatural life. But then, out of love for Christ, the Good Samaritan became man to redeem sinners. He prepares the remedy, symbolized by the oil and the wine. He prepares it by his life, his teachings, and his death on the cross. And he pays the infinite and ultimate price his death, represented by the two pence. What does he do, this good Samaritan? He then brings this poor man to the inn, which symbolizes the church. And there, there the priests will take good care of him. How often has this sort of scene taken place in your life? where you wandered down the wrong path and fell among robbers, the devils, who took off your wedding garment of sanctifying grace and left you half dead. Or maybe they beat you first, weakening your understanding, weakening your will to give up sin, and then they left in your own pool of spiritual blood. How often it happens to each one of us. And then there's always a good Samaritan. He comes. That is our Lord, the Sacred Heart, whose mercy is infinite. And we say in the Psalms, I will sing thy mercies forever. A beautiful thought. But this good Samaritan he pulls you into the inn, the church, and he points to the confessional, and he says, go to the priest, and he will take good care of you. Don't be afraid of the confessional. I know that it is sort of intimidating, especially if you haven't been in quite a while, or maybe there's some sin that for shame you've hidden for such a long time, and now you think it's just too late. 
and too hard. Never fear. The Good Samaritan welcomes you. And he welcomes you with kindness. And in the end, he will absolve you so perfectly from your sins that they will be deleted from your soul. And then, what peace, what peace of soul you will have. Follow the Good Samaritan. Never mind those thieving devils that are always trying to catch up to you on the road and beat you. The Good Samaritan will come and he will guard you from them. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.